Welcome to the Womology Podcast. This is a sacred space to honor your cyclical nature, reconnect with your innate body wisdom and sovereignty, and transform your health. I'm Dana Drejos, and thank you so much for being here. So welcome back to the Womology Podcast. I'm here today with three people joining me for another panel style call, and I'm really excited to dive in. Uh, We're going to be talking about our different journeys with alcohol and our relationship to alcohol in the current moment. And I want to give some context to where this is coming from, because in case you didn't see my stories uh, and Instagram posts a few weeks back, whenever it was, um, I had made a post on my Instagram about like what benefits I found from being sober for three years. And my intention behind the post was just to share my story and like inspire anyone who may be related because I shared how I had a toxic relationship with alcohol and how it brought me into like a lot of dangerous situations. And I tried to moderate. I tried to be like, okay, just have one, just be chill. But I could never, it was never just one, one would lead to two and then 10 and then I'd be wasted. Um, so for me, I felt like I need to adopt a zero policy with alcohol and just go fully on the other side, fully sober. And, and it was helpful. Obviously, if you take out the thing that's like you think is causing the problem, um, yeah, you're not going to do stupid, embarrassing stuff anymore because you're not drunk all the time. Um, and I thought that, that would just be the rest of my life. I was like, okay, this is cool. This is working out. Like I'm sober. I feel healthier. I feel more clear-minded and I feel more connected to my spirituality and all of that good stuff. Um, but I was curious what other people were thinking. Cause I did have a little bit, the intention too behind the post, if I'm being honest, was this feeling of like, this is the right way to be. And everyone else should stop drinking alcohol too. Um, but I was genuinely curious, like other people's perspectives and experiences. So I posted on my stories, some polls and question boxes, like, are you sober or sober curious, or you're feel, feel fine with your relationship with alcohol, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, several people, including the three people on this call, DM'd me saying that they also had similar experiences with alcohol in the past of like a toxic relationship with it and then going sober for an extended period of time and then actually bringing it back into their life like in in small amounts, I guess, and that it actually felt more empowering to do that. And this just like blew my mind. I was like, what? Like I did not even ever consider that as a possibility. I was just like, I'm sober for the rest of my life. This is how it is. Um, But this was just a totally new kind of paradigm and perspective that I never even considered before. And it did like, I was like, oh yeah, it made me realize that just because I removed alcohol from my life doesn't mean I healed my relationship with it. It just meant like, similar to birth control, how you're just covering up the symptom, like without actually solving the root cause, I feel like the, like 
the problem with alcohol was just a symptom of the root problem, which was like lack of self-esteem and lack of self-trust that I still needed to dive deeper into. Um, so I did a few weeks ago have my first drink after three years sober and I did not totally lose my shit. I had one and it was good. Like I was like, okay. Uh, I still felt like, yeah, I I feel like majority of the time I'm still going to opt for saying no. I still don't really like this like fuzzy feeling or how I feel the next day. But the point is that it felt more empowering to give myself the choice to say yes or no than to have this strict rule of no, you can never have it because you lack the self-control to be like a normal functioning human <laughs> if you have a drink in your hand. So that is where I'm at today. And I just wanted to bring these other people on the call to share their experiences as well. Um, obviously, like we're not trying to convince anyone of anything. There's no right or wrong, just sharing. And maybe list you as the listener will um, have an insight like I did and, you know, change your mind about some things. So um, the first person I want to invite is the first person who DM'd me, which was Nicole. And she kind of like started this whole thing because I, I shared her, her message to me in a screenshot. And then like other people started saying, oh, yeah, I had that same experience. Um, and Nicole has been on the show before. Uh, I think the episode was called Heal, Heal Your Spirit to Heal Your Body. Um, so yeah, Nicole, you can jump on and say hello and tell us your journey with alcohol. Hi, hello. Uh, firstly, I just can't even believe I'm talking about this. <laughs> um, because like, uh, I'm going to use the word alcoholism, but then I want to specify some things about that word. But like alcoholism has been like a big part of my life. Long before I ever drank alcohol, I um, come from a family who uh, some identify as alcoholics, others in the family think other people in the family are alcoholics. I grew up um, going to 12-step meetings with members of my family. Um, so that was kind of like where our family like derives spirituality from in a lot of ways. But I feel like I was kind of programmed a little bit. Um, I was told as a kid, like about alcoholics, like you're either going to be one or you're going to marry one. And so I think that, you know, being given those options, I took them and ran, didn't marry anybody though. Um, so I started like drinking really young and, um, you know, mimicking the behavior around me, but then also, um, you know, like I'm a healer. <laughs> so even as a child, I was kind of like the control in a lot of ways um, for um, sort of out of control energy around me. So when I got old enough to experiment with drugs and alcohol, I was like, oh, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to take control. And I did that through using substances. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it did not work. Um, and I did actually quit drinking when I was 22 years old. 
And I did it in a way that I like left society, went to rehab, lived with a bunch of other newly sober women for a long time. Um, well, for some months anyways. And then I was sober for 13 years. So from 22 to 35, I did not drink or do drugs. Um, I maybe smoked a couple cigarettes and I'm super grateful for that time in my life of being able to like develop into an adult. And during that time, my focus for my life was my spiritual growth and my health and my wellness. And I worked in natural grocery stores and retail settings. I learned a ton and, um, you know, I abstained from putting substances in my body. However, I will also say like, (laughs) I identified very strongly with like, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a screwed up person and I only by the grace of God have, you know, been blessed with this (laughs) reprieve. And now I have to like make up for my terrible behavior for the rest of my life. Um, I'm not saying I was taught that in 12 step programs. I'm saying that's how I um, took in that information and how it sat in my, in my being and in my psyche. And I also was a person that was like, I believe that any illness can be cured. It's an energy thing. Oh, except for alcoholism like that, you have to go and go to these like meetings and there's nothing that you can do about it. And that's just how it is. Um, which I thankfully was called on that by somebody who was like, what's up with that? And I would get super defensive and really angry when that would get kind of called into question. And I started going to a different spiritual group. And through that experience, I began to realize that my abstinence and my participation in sort of this, like constantly affirming that I have no control was like limiting me from further growth in my spiritual practices and just in who I, in my self image, like how I saw who I am and like how I um, could care and love and show up for myself. And then like, you know, Dana mentioned earlier, I'm a musician and that's a huge part of who I am. That's something that comes very naturally to me. I, I love that part of like being alive in this lifetime and having this body is like making music with it. And I did not take steps with my music because I was afraid of drinking. (laughs) And I started getting to this point where like, I realized that a lot of the reasons I was not, um, or a lot of the reasons I was staying sober were not my reasons. I was doing it to heal my family. I was doing it because I was afraid of what would happen. Like I was going to get in trouble and be punished. It was like all this stuff that was related to being a minor (laughs) and getting in trouble with my mom And, um, so I decided after, yeah, 13 years of sobriety, the last five of which I didn't do any 12 step stuff. Um, and I, when I stopped going to the 12 step things, I was like, I'm not concerned if I'm like, I'm going to drink again. Like I'm dedicated to being in present time. I'm dedicated to being in my body and with my body. Like, I don't want to alter that. And it was five years of me realizing like, I'm still hitting a wall and like, I'm not getting through this energy. I still felt kind of haunted in a sense by like this kind of like strict and very militant idea of what it needed to be and what would happen 
to me. <laughs> and, you know, I also want to just preface this and say, like, there are people with drug addiction and alcoholism. And what I'm talking about is like potentially like not really an option for those people, if that makes sense. Like there are people in my life who, if they wanted to go to 12 step programs, I was like, I'd be like, please go. <laughs> like, I am not, um, you know, criticizing that as a whole or for other people, but for me, and again, like I had a very huge, strong support in my spiritual life. I had another spiritual group that I, um, was a part of and that I actually am like on staff at this school now. And I'm a teacher, um, for meditation and fun psychic stuff. So I had a lot of stability, um, when I decided, and I kind of wanted to do it as like, I'm going to do like a ceremony and get like a bottle of champagne and invite some people. <laughs> and I was like, no, actually I don't want to make it a big deal. Like, it just feels like it's such a big deal. And my goal is for it to not be a big deal. And so, um, yeah, I was, uh, in downtown Los Angeles with a friend and we ate like a super greasy, cheesy quesadilla from a food truck. And I went into a bar to get like a ginger ale or a kombucha or something to wash it down. And they're like, oh no, we only serve whatever, like beer and wine. And I was like, okay, I'll have a beer. And I drank the beer and I was like, oh, that, that's what that is. Mm -hmm. And like, it wasn't a big deal. The first year though, like getting through the energy there were some times where it felt like it was a big deal. <laughs> um, and, but I had to like give myself that grace and that freedom and, you know, walk through it and feel it out. And guess what? Like I'm still dedicated to being in my body and caring for myself and loving myself. And there's just a very clear awareness that I have about like, Ooh, this could be a day where I could have like a beer, you know? And then there are other times where I like would even consider drinking be like, Ugh, no, like I just get such a no, like my body's like, no. And that's exactly how I feel about, I don't know, a cup of coffee or a certain kind of food or, you know, I, I've honed that skill of being able to be with and hear and listen to my body. So I don't know, I could keep talking about this for like hours, but I'll wrap it up and just say that, um, it, it was really important for me to get sober and quit drinking and to stay sober all those years. And it was equally as important for me to stop stopping <laughs> and to quit quitting and take a step into that. And the other aspect of it too, I'll just briefly say like, I was around a bunch of amazing people, artists and musicians that were not stuck in addiction, but were also participating in, you know, like partying but they were doing it in these ways that I was like, okay, yeah, like I'm getting new information. Like there are people that participate in these things and they don't lose their space to it and they don't lose their whole functioning lives because of it. And that was something that was really healing for me. And now like, yeah, it, it does feel like a huge gift to go. Like when I do perform, <laughs> I get nervous and I go and I do my set and then I have like one drink after and I'm like, this is, so nice and so amazing like and I feel like it's um I don't know the whole experience is like such a gift to myself and um you know expressing love for myself and having control rather than wanting it because wanting it I'm always trying to get it but if I actually just have it 
then I have it <laughs> and I'm not like losing it. So, okay. Thanks. Ooh, so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. That last line, having control rather than wanting it was like, mm. <laughs> hit me because that, that was totally my experience. I felt like I just could not be trusted and I would have such a lack of control with alcohol, but yeah, allowing myself to have the choice. It's like, okay, I'm the driver now. Like I'm in the driver's seat now. I'm in control. Um, and the word you used before of militant, like this militant idea of like, I cannot have alcohol and this is the strict rule in my life, um, really stuck out to me as well because, and then what you said about, uh, with coffee or different foods and whatnot, it tied back for me, like the same issue I had with food where I was vegan and gluten-free and like all the things like so strict around food. And again, that, that control and not having any sense of, well, sometimes it's okay. Just, just relax. Like sometimes it's okay. Um, and what you said too about how, yeah, some people can handle it and not lose their shit. Like I was always so like amazed and confused by those people. I'm like, how can you just have one and like be a chill human? Um, and I, I mean, I wonder if the history of alcoholism in the family, cause I have uh, similar ancestral history. So maybe that's a thing, but yeah, thank you so much. And I want to give the other two a chance. Like if you guys have any questions for Nicole or any kind of thoughts. I just loved the, the knowing that I have a choice. I have control, not I want. Like Dana said, that last line, woo, it said chills down my spine because that is the space with coffee, with gluten, with dairy, with all these dietary things that we as a society think we have to either binge or restrict on. You know, that pits us against ourselves. Because then we're like, well, if I'm eating it, I'm binging it. If I'm consuming it, I'm binging it. Because if I'm not binging it, then I'm restricting it. And we are in this like, do I or do I not space when it doesn't have to be that way. We have control. I can eat an Oreo and not pound the whole pack. <laughs> and that is the most freeing knowing because I have control. Not I want control. I wish I had control. I do. And it translates across everything. And it's like the moment we are able to pinpoint it and name it, then we have it. It's ours. Mm, so good. And with that, Casey, do you want to jump in with your story? Sure. Um, so like Nicole, it is comical that I am speaking on sobriety. <laughs> I mean, I just... Never would have, never would have thought. Um, I do not have a long familial line of what I would call alcoholism or alcoholics. Um, and there is no 12 step program that is a part of my story. And so it feels a little informal to me. Um, but when I reflect back upon where the heck did my drinking start? I do think it started 
as a young child, I watched my parents, specifically my dad, party with his friends. And again, I don't call that alcoholism and I don't consider him an alcoholic, but he was a partier and his friend group, they partied. Um, And so as a small child, that was what I witnessed as being fun. And that was what I witnessed as community and doing fun things. And so the minute I turned, it was probably 15. I was like, yeah, this is old enough. And (laughs) I went digging through my mom's uh, liquor cabinet. And from 15 till I left my mom's house to go to college, I was, I was digging through her cabinet and I was drinking and I would drink after school. As soon as I got home from school, whenever I would hang out with my friends, I was always like, okay, who's getting our alcohol? That was, that was the thing when I was in high school was we were drinking and we were drinking heavily and we knew how to find it. We knew whose parents kept it in different places and didn't really count the bottles or check behind us. And we knew how to get our hands on it. And so from 15, I labeled myself as a drinker. And in my friend groups, I was the partier. Like it was just the thing. Casey's Casey's partying. And that's how people knew me. Um, And then so moved to college the college I went to party school and it was just a thing. Everybody drank and it wasn't like we were not aware or cognizant of the reason everyone was binge drinking and blacking out. Um, That part of the realization did not come until later, but in college, you know, it was benders and blackouts every single day, every single day of the week we were drinking until we blacked out until the early morning, wake up, go to class, start again. That was just, that was the rotation. And I was continuously doing crazy shit and embarrassing myself. But that, again, I took that on as my personality. So when people would say, oh, that's just Casey being Casey, I'd be like, hell yeah, it is. Watch me bare bomb this one. <laughs> that, and I was okay with it. I considered myself to be shameless in this act. Um, So graduate college in 2012. And now I am teaching and still drank until I blacked out even after college. And I was still partying with all my friends, just drinking every day of the week. And it got to a point where my body really began pushing back. And I started acquiring different autoimmune condition diagnoses and chronic pain. Um, I began to really struggle in my body, but I drank through the pain. I was like, okay, I know what'll solve this. Let me get drunk. Then I won't be able to feel anything. And so that's what I did. And I have this very vivid memory. My younger cousin was graduating from college and I was probably four years out of college myself. But her stepdad called me a functioning alcoholic at her party. And I, my mom got pissed. She was like, how dare he? And I was like, fuck him. (laughs) 
it was not until like the next week, you know, I was sitting on it and I was like, okay, he's probably fucking onto something, probably onto something. I am highly functioning and I do drink a whole lot. Um, at this time I was working on healing my body and I had to, for purposes of that, I had to go gluten-free. And my favorite thing to drink was natural light. Like Natty Light was my my thing I, with a sh- couple shots of Fireball. Like I didn't discriminate, but Natty Light was numero uno. So I have to go gluten-free. Natty Light has gluten in it. So does every other light beer. I focused my energy instead of on healing my body. I focused my energy on finding a gluten-free beer that tastes good. (sighs) Couldn't find it. It didn't exist. I didn't really jive with liquor that much and wine gave me a headache. So like beer was my thing. And since I couldn't find a beer I liked that tasted good, that was gluten-free, because of my diet, I stopped drinking. And so there was there was not this, like, I would love to say there, I made the decision myself. It was forced. <laughs> and I was pissed about it. So I, I stopped drinking because of this. And at a friend's wedding, um, I decided, you know, YOLO, it's one wedding, I'm going to drink. I got plastered, made a true ass of myself, was horrible to my husband. And the next morning, woke up, my body felt worse than it had in months. And I just, I felt like a big old flaming trash can because I was mean to my husband because I wanted to drink again. And so then I did begin to dive into some self-reflection. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking, not because of gluten, but because I want to and because I I just want to show up better. I want to be a better person, period. And alcohol isn't helping me. I also can't find anything that's gluten-free that I like. You know, maybe it's a sign. (laughs) And so I really stopped. Um, And... I began teaching a mental health class at school and in this mental health class, um, addicts were, it was a part of our, our lessons that I was in charge of instructing to teenagers talking about addiction and mental health. And it all became so ironic because it took teaching a group of teenagers about the correlation between addiction and mental health for me to realize, oh, I've been binge drinking since I was 15 because my mental health has been struggling that long. Oh, people binge drink, not because alcohol has some kind of wild grasp on them. It's because they're struggling and they're looking for a crutch and that's the crutch that they lean on. And so my perception and my view of alcohol just exploded at this time. And then I dove even further into myself because, oh, okay, now I have this mirror that's showing me you've drank for this long because why? Why were you hurting at that time? What caused you pain then? What made you lean on the bottle 
instead of anything else. And, you know, as reflections do, sometimes they're pretty ugly (laughs) to look at. But it took me teaching this class and me standing in in a room full of teenagers offering this perspective on addiction for their family members for me to offer myself a little bit of grace and compassion. And that was the transformative part for me. That was when I was like, okay, I can heal. I can get better. I can choose to nourish my body and feed it in a way that I can heal and overcome the different diagnoses that I've had. Also overcome anything that I'm going through mentally. And then if I decide that I want to have a drink, maybe I'm not going to one more it (laughs) until it's 20 drinks, because that was certainly my go-to. Walk into a bar, all right, just one more, all right, just one more. I can think back to those nights that I one more it until 2 a.m. My life was in a pit of struggle and at those times. That's why I was doing it. And so now I know that I can opt in to drinking something if I want to, and I'm not going to have a whole case if I just want one, because now I have this awareness of why am I drinking? And that's, that's something that I pay attention to. And I do it with eating too, with like what Nicole said, if I get that itch to drink something, which it hasn't happened in forever. But if I do, I'll, I'll ask myself, why am I drinking this? Why do I want that? Is it because, is it because I'm stressed? Is it because I'm trying to avoid something or do I just have the taste for it? And then act accordingly to that. Um, One thing that has been really empowering has been both choosing to drink and choosing not to in the social setting. So, I recently went to brunch with some girlfriends. Everyone at the table ordered an alcoholic drink and I got an espresso. And I, you couldn't tell me shit that day. I was like, I am that bitch. (laughs) Because I was so proud of myself. And I was able to witness in this moment, a table full of people that I love have one drink and enjoy it and not need to pound anymore. And I was able to bask in the enjoyment of choosing not to. And that was my choice, not because it was forced, not because it was shamed, not because I was judging myself. I just didn't want it. And then another scenario, a similar time, I did want a drink. And so I had one, one, and it tasted good. And then I didn't want anymore. And so I tie it all into just intuitive eating and intuitive living, listening to what our body actually wants in the moment. Do I want that cup of coffee? No, it gave me the jitters yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to drink it today. Do I want that beer? I got a bellyache last time I drank it. Okay. I don't want that then. And just listening to that, letting our bodies choose for us. It holds so much power in healing those wounds of being 18, 20, 21, thinking I have no self-control. You know, the Pringles, like once you pop the fun, don't stop. (laughs) That's how I was. Once I had one, it was game over. I'm drinking all day till I pass out. 
But now I have that self-trust and that inner knowing that if I have one, that's it. It ends there. And I feel like a warrior for overcoming the headspace that I was in when I was having to lean heavily on alcohol. I think that's all I have to say. Well, everything you had to say was so amazing. Oh my gosh. I think the piece about identifying with it, like I am a partier, Casey is a partier. That definitely resonated with me as well. Like that's just Dana, like doing her crazy dance and (laughs) all of that. Um, Yeah, so good. And I feel like a a part of this recovery was figuring out my true identity because I did go through a period where I was like, well, what do I do now that I don't drink and party? Because identified heavily with it and it's no longer a part of me. What am I interested in? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you feel like that is what allowed you to, I mean, a piece of, moving away from teaching and finding this passion for life coaching and cyclical living and all of that. Oh yeah. I have, I've done a nosedive into all things that bring Casey pleasure and joy in the past year. And would you know that alcohol is not one of them? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Things that I love. And I was unaware of them because I was just spending my time drunk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think about how the alcohol, like when you're in that struggle and you have no joy outside of that substance, mm-hmm. it's like you're using it to overcompensate for this lack of joy that you feel in general in your life. But when you step away from it and start to find the other things that actually light you up, then you can have that one drink and be like, yep, that was good. I don't need another because I'm not trying to like fix anything or overcompensate for anything in my life or like fill a hole because I'm already whole. I've found what brings me joy. Yeah, there's no longer a void to fill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. I would love to yeah. chime in on that because it, I think of it as like, okay, I'm sensitive to certain foods. I know this. So during certain times in my cycle, or if I didn't get a good enough night's sleep, like I'm not going to eat that. Right. And so I think the same thing about alcohol, but also I consider like the environment, my inner environment, my emotional environment, my physical environment before I add anything to it. So Alcohol is a depressant. If I'm sad, I don't want to get sadder. I don't want to escape that sadness and use a substance to take that away. I want to like cycle through that emotional process. And sometimes also like I I was upset about something recently and I needed to calm down. I had to go somewhere. I had to do something. And so I like looked at my partner. And I was like, I'm going to drink this glass of wine, not because I'm trying to not feel how I feel, but because it's medicine. And I know that it's going to help my body, like my nervous system to downregulate in this moment. 
and I'm going to do that. Like, and I don't like, I'm like, don't think that I'm like, Oh, crush this class and get away from this feeling. But it's literally <laughs> like, I can use it as a medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Casey, I think that is so amazing that you were teaching a class of teens and it was allowing you to address things that were happening or that started that pattern that started for you as a teenager. It's like giving that medicine to your younger self in like real time in a classroom setting. I think that that's so cool how like, it's like, we get what we need, you know, <laughs> like we get mm-hmm. what we need. Yes, it was, it was very special. And I think that is just, that's the best picture and, and symbology of teaching for me. I had a lot of wounds as a teenager. And so there was a reason I was called back to teach teenagers and since I stepped out of the classroom, I can now look back and and it feels like, oh, I have I've healed that version of me. Now let's move on to my next career. And with the women that I work with, you know, I see the same thing. I find myself educating them about things that okay, <laughs> I'm working <laughs> through this too. <laughs> hmm. Love it. Okay, Anna. So Anna has not been on the show before, and this is her first podcast experience. So yeah. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to share. So um, it's really interesting listening to both of your stories, because for me, I feel like I was never necessarily like out of control with my alcohol consumption. Um, I actually didn't even start drinking until like I remember it was like winter break my junior year of high school and like my girlfriends and I we all got together and like one of my friends brothers bought us like some beer and some liquor and we were like in my bedroom upstairs just like getting drunk and like eating Christmas cookies and it was like such a kind of like wholesome experience for me and in in high school I honestly didn't drink a ton like I definitely went to parties on weekends and I would always be the friend that would like drink but like I would be there helping my friends that were blackout puking like really struggling and I felt like there was always like I think just this fear that I have always had of throwing up like that was a really strong fear that I had growing up that I would like that would be what would keep me from like pushing myself over the edge because I knew like if I went too far, like I was going to vomit and vomiting is not fun. And so I would always like teeter on that in-between space where I was like definitely drunk, but not quite drunk enough to be sick, you know? And so um, when I went to college, I went to a party school and um, I started drinking a lot more and it was just like part of the culture there. So near it wasn't as crazy, but like by the time I was like living in a house, like with friends, you know, we were just constantly drinking. And like when I be- like turned 21 and could start going out to the bars, like there was just something going on every night of the week, pretty much every single night, except for Monday. Like it was very regular that like Tuesday, we'd go to the bars and Wednesday, we'd go to this frat and Thursday, we'd go to that frat. And it was just like constantly cycling through all of these parties. And like, you know, even if we weren't 
going out to a party like i even remember having a night class and like we would all get together before the night class and like have a couple beers and like go in buzzed and like we would just that was part of the culture and i always thought that i was not this crazy drinker because i was surrounded by so much insane binge drinking that i was definitely drinking like what i would consider too much and more than is healthy and pretty much every single night And yet in my mind, I was like, oh, I only had three beers. That's not a big deal. Like I didn't have 10, you know, but like I was still having minimum three beers every day. And I realized at some point, like my senior year, I got a blood test back where my liver function tests were off. And that was like a wake up call for me because I was like, oh, I thought I was just like healthy and this was fine that I was just drinking and I'm young and I'm healthy and like everything's good and getting blood tests back that were like telling me that my liver was literally struggling had me start looking at my lifestyle and like how much I was actually drinking and not just in comparison to like all the rest of the people at my party school, but like actually as a human being of this size and weight, like how much alcohol am I putting in my body and like, how is that impacting me? You know? And so I spent probably three months um, completely sober in college, which was like a really interesting experience because I was still like in the same friend groups, going out to the same parties. And I would just be the girl like in the corner smoking weed. Like, you know, that was just me. I was like, oh, I can't drink right now. You know, like I have to heal my body. And um, so I just stopped drinking for about three months and I went back to get blood tests done and all of my liver function levels were normal. And it was so crazy because I remember getting that call back, like, oh, all of your test results are normal. And I was like texting my friends, oh, we can drink now. Like I can go out drinking now, you know, like it was like, oh, we're good. Like we're back to baseline, you know, like let's go party for my birthday this weekend because it was right before my birthday weekend that I got these test results back. And so it's just like really crazy to me that that was my first response. Oh, we've, we've reached baseline. Like now let's go function up again. Like, um, But yeah, I definitely like after that experience had that little voice in the back of my head that was like, okay, you can't overdo it though. Like you can't keep overdoing it like you've been overdoing it for the last several years because you do have this, I guess, maybe predisposition to a health issue or whatever it was. You know, I was suddenly concerned a little bit more about my health beyond just like in the moment and the party that we were at. And, um, And so I kept drinking and then it was around a year out of college um, that I remember going to a party with some friends. Like I went, met up with a lot of college friends and we were, we started drinking and I was like three quarters of the way into my first drink and my stomach was just revolting. You know, I was like, I'm not even drunk. This hurts. I'm like laying down on the couch downstairs, just trying to like rub my stomach. Like what's going on in here? You know, like my body was just telling me no. And it was around this time that I had also started changing my diet and getting a lot more conscious about like my health in general. And so I think that body awareness was really coming in and my body was speaking to me. and was like, no, we really don't want all of this like poison you know, like please stop doing this to us so constantly and and um shortly thereafter i just kind of quit i was like you know it's not worth it 
Um, I really care about my health. And so my relationship with alcohol has kind of mirrored my relationship with food because I know like Dana and I've had this conversation a little bit as well, but like I went vegan um, towards the end of college and you know, I started getting more and more strict into my veganism. Like it was first, it was just vegan. And then it was like, oh, like high carb, low fat, vegan, like raw vegan, like raw tofu, like all of these different variations of veganism and like getting more and more strict and more and more dogmatic about it. And so um, I was getting really deep into this like health world. And when I started like realizing that alcohol was not serving me, and not really serving my health, I started adopting like very similar mindset around alcohol as I was adopting around food, where I was like, oh, like, that's bad. I can't have it at all. It's so bad. It's gonna like totally ruin my health. And um, I think I'm kind of prone to this like dogmatic mindset around things because I've had these perfectionist tendencies since I was really young. And so it's so easy for me to be like, oh, this is like, what is good and right. And this is what is bad and wrong. And like, it's so black and white. And, and so, yeah, with alcohol, I just started adopting this mindset of like, it went from, oh, this is a fun thing I do with friends to like, oh, this is like a bad thing. That's like bad for my body to then like getting into like a lot of the spiritual aspects of things as well. Like as I was going through my awakenings and I was like, oh, alcohol is evil. You were inviting in spirits. Like then I started like judging people for drinking and like getting on this like high horse about, oh, well, I'm sober and I'm healthy. And what are they doing destroying their bodies? And like, you know, just being so judgmental towards people around like their choices, even though I was making very similar choices, not even that long ago. And, um, And yeah, it's just like realizing finally, many years later, as I started coming around to understanding this dogmatic mindset that I adopted about so many things, that alcohol actually was one of those things as well. Like it wasn't just food. It wasn't just, you know, this, that, and the other. It was, it was also alcohol. And I think, I think I got so wrapped up in it being toxic and bad that I wouldn't allow myself to have it at all. And it wasn't even, oh, I had a problem with it. Like, you know, it it wasn't necessarily that I couldn't trust myself or whatever. It was this purest mindset of I can't put something impure in my temple. And I, a lot of my work recently has been around like, just deconstructing all of those types of belief systems and realizing that when it comes down to it, my body is healthy and my body can self heal and my body can regulate itself. And I trust my body and I trust my body to be able to handle like environmental toxins or choosing to eat refined sugar or choosing to drink a carbonated beverage here and there, or like choosing alcohol occasionally, you know, and it's, it's like this trust in my body has been the journey for me and like restoring that trust that I'm not going to like screw myself up by having one drink or by having, you know, one bite of something or, you know, choosing to eat this, that, or the other, like I'm not going to ruin absolutely everything. And I don't need to be this perfect like version. I don't know, like this unattainably perfect human, like I'm here to experience the human experience. Like I'm here to enjoy the different pleasures of life. And sometimes that includes alcohol, you know, like sometimes that includes having a drink with friends or 
or choosing not to have a drink with friends. Like, you, you know, I, I really enjoyed um, that perspective because I, I feel like I really resonate with that where sometimes I will choose to drink in a social setting and sometimes I won't. And it's like, I don't feel pressured to, like I, I couldn't imagine going to a party in college and not drinking, um, you know, before I had that, that health scare. And then when I like couldn't drink, that's what I would always tell people. Oh, I can't drink right now because I have a health issue. Not like I'm choosing not to. It was always like something outside of me, you know, versus an internal choice. And so it's been really empowering coming back to that and realizing that, yeah, I'm, I'm safe and secure in my body. My body knows best. Like it's not going to lead me astray. And, you know, I know that I'm healthy enough to enjoy an occasional drink, you know, like I just went on a ski trip and it's like, that's part of the culture sometimes, like, you know, have a cider on the slopes, like, and I just really enjoy being able to like do that without worrying about like, oh, am I going to be so screwed up? And is this going to ruin my gut? And like, is this going to, you know, and it's also because of all the other healing work that I've done and all of the, all of the other like stuff, you know, that I've unpacked around all of this when it comes to like that purist mindset. Um, So yeah, that's kind of been my experience. And it's, it's been more of like a health journey and a trusting of my body journey for me personally. Thank you so much. Oh, all of these stories are so good. I love I love how they're so different, but like then there's similar threads in each of them. So I think the audience will really, I'm sure like everyone will have something to relate to someone, which is so cool. Um, I think an interesting thread in all our stories is that body awareness and that being able to tune into our body and and feel, is this a yes or a no? And I love what you said about, I'm just, I'm a human here to enjoy the human experience. And if that includes alcohol once in a while, then that's great. And we don't have need to have this like perfectionist purity mindset that definitely resonated with me too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Anything else, Nicole or Casey, that you wanted to ask or reflect from there? literally crying oh. it's so like it's so beautiful I wrote on New Year's Eve at the spa in my journal thoughts about goals for the year what does my body say what would my body like to have in 2023 I think I'll let my body lead and like that's what it reminded me of what you were saying on a like it's just yeah like I just feel really honored to have I got this body and I, it's a female body and I get to do all these amazing things with it. And, um, yeah, letting my body lead is, is um, I, I haven't even thought about that since I wrote it. I don't think. <laughs> so thanks for the reminder. And, and yeah, I love that your body was like, excuse me. <laughs> and like you listened and I, I know for myself in my younger days when I was like, abusing alcohol like I wouldn't listen to that because here's the kicker I didn't like myself I hated myself I hated my life I hated my circumstances I wanted out of those circumstances so I abused alcohol to get out of those circumstances and now I love myself I love my body I love my life my life loves me like you know so okay mm. that's my thoughts mm. Thank you. 
Hannah, I, I really loved when you said you felt the shift from saying, no, I can't drink to no, I'm choosing not to. Um, and of course it all goes back to, to the body and that, that shift in verbiage is so powerful because it sends a signal to, it sends the signal to our body. I'm not saying I can't in spite of you. I'm choosing not to for you. Mm-hmm. And we speak to our body in, in our choices and in our conversations with the people that we have. And I mean, I'm on this journey of coming home back into this vessel too. And and listening to what she wants has been the guiding force in healing my relationship with alcohol. She's she was screaming at me through all those years. <laughs> and I was just drinking more to shush 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 her. And she screamed louder. She don't scream at me anymore. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful place to be. Mm. I love that. I'm so thankful that you guys were the mirror for me uh, to realize because I I didn't even have that awareness that I had this dogmatic thinking and this perfectionist thinking around it. And it wasn't until someone like reflected back to me their experience that I was like oh there's a different reality that I could be living in that I wasn't aware of until someone brought it to my attention until you guys brought it to my attention Uh, so I just hope with this episode people might open up to a new reality any other closing thoughts or things that you would want to say to listeners I have something and this could be with alcohol, but all things, if it feels like shame, it's probably shit. And with that perfectionist mindset, the all or nothing, the very restrictive binge or restrict purists, that's all embedded in shame us shaming ourselves and us shaming other people. And there's just truly, from my perspective, there's no space for shame and where I want to be and where I want to go. And I, I can tell now that if I'm having a judgmental feeling towards someone's lifestyle, I'm actually shaming myself. And if I hear other people speak to me in a judgmental tone, I can now hold compassion in the knowing that they're shaming themselves. And so now when I hear shame, I know, oh, that's just shit. (laughs) That's shit. And I'm not accepting shit right now. No, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love that. I'll, I'll add to that 
that, you know, the, the judgmentalism and all of, all of these things about like getting to the other side and being, you know, this like pure sober person, it, it can generate like this, like competition and criticism and, but it's like this false, it's a falsehood. It's, it's a wobbly thing to stand on like I see it's like balancing walking on like a wobbly fence or something is <laughs> the picture that I see because um you know the conviction that I had was it out of desperation and out of fear and and now it's replaced with like a certainty but also it's it's like <laughs> this is a term I learned in 12 steps but it's and I think it's a Christian term but wearing it like a loose garment so all of it, you know, and when I'm not in the space of judging other people's behavior or intake of chemicals is actually just another layer of freedom for me, the freedom of not feeling like I'm underneath this heavy weighted blanket of substance use and excess, but then also like not having other people's challenges with it, limiting me or impacting me to the point where it feels harmful on me you know so that's been another thing where when I was sober I was still very very impacted by the use um the alcohol use of others around me especially people I loved um so yeah that's that's another bit for anyone out there like I mean it had it did me worlds of good to be around other people that were not drinking to help me to stop but then also just being around people that like it's not a big deal and they do have neutrality and you can take it or leave it like that was really special as well yeah that's a good point I think for me like allowing myself to be human has allowed me to like meet others in their humanness you know not putting myself on a pedestal above people and not judging anyone else for where they're at and just like really allowing myself to meet myself in my humanness. Mm. Yeah. And then on a similar token, like also not shaming yourself, like Casey was saying and putting yourself down and meeting yourself in your humanness. So it's kind of that middle ground of like, I'm not above you. I'm not below you because of my quote, bad choices. I'm just a human. We're all just humans. Ah, <laughs> oh, beautiful. Well, I thank you guys so much for coming on here and sharing your stories. They were all just so juicy, so many little nuggets of wisdom that I'm excited for people to hear. And yeah, this was just so fun and nourishing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dana and Anna and Casey. This is such good medicine for me really appreciate y'all thank you so much for listening if you desire to continue this journey and learn more about your body i invite you to follow our instagram page at womb.ology please help get this information to more people who menstruate by sharing this podcast on your social media and tagging us i greatly appreciate you Have a peaceful week.